0: Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble, and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. Colleen Nelson here, here with Sarah Yedkin, who is a trauma-informed relationship and anxiety coach, a friend of mine, a colleague, and someone that did my trauma-informed training last year. I am so excited to have her on. Sarah and I have been chatting quite frequently in different platforms. I think we started, what were you in? What was that? Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Oh, we started in Clubhouse and we've been on IG Lives a few times and um, have some good friends in the industry. So I'm so excited to have you here, Sarah. I cannot tell you how excited I am. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So Sarah. Sarah. What I have been doing with this podcast is I am wanting my wonderful, incredible, powerful women in my life to come in and talk about your journey to this place. And I say this with a caveat because the journey never ends, but I think all of you have some incredible gifts and stories to share with my audience. And in particular, you know, what it is that you had to do, let go of, burn to get to who you are today and really become this full alive version of yourself. So when I ask the question, what is it that you had to let go of that you had to burn to be the woman you are today? What comes to mind for you?
1: I would say the expectations of how things should be is one of the biggest things I've had to let burn. And I mean, for me, especially with what I do, I'm a relationship anxiety coach who helps people kind of throw out the societal narratives of love and relationships that they've been ingesting since probably, you know, birth, honestly, and as a former rom-com fanatic and, you know, someone who has always loved love and still do love love, but I had a lot of skewed perceptions of what that meant. And I've also had a lot of skewed perceptions of how life should be on other people's terms that I've really had to let burn in order to have any shot at starting to shape my own journey, right? And the funny part is, I don't think that I'm fully the person, as you said, that I'm going to be in my life, but I've started to peel away those layers like an onion of just, oh, wow, these were things that someone else was expecting or timelines from society that people wanna throw at you, but that's not necessarily what I have
0: to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, Sarah, I think, at each stage of the onion, we can live into our full self. Right. So, so and I, and that's something I want to redefine, right? When we think about, oh, I'm gonna be the woman I'm supposed to be. Like I always think of that magic number as 40. Like 40 women in their 40s are goddesses to me. They're like the pinnacle of what womanhood is. For any of you ladies that are in your 40s, you're goddesses and and beyond, let's be clear, you're just like even wiser goddesses as you get older. But I I saw that as a turning point for me. And, you know, a lot of the work that I've been doing is recognizing that each singular stage of development, really, you can live into this full self. And I would say... I would say no matter what age you are, there's going to be something that you have to burn. But it's about looking in your current reality and saying, what's the next thing? What's the next thing that I am going to burn in the face of my truth? And what has come before me so that I can really appreciate the path I've been on? Because I do think we get caught up in who we're going to be, you know, versus who we were and who we are today. So when you, when you, I, I just want to commend you, you know, like, yes, you are in the the onion peeling layers as, as us all. But when you think about what got you to this current layer of your onion, what was the hardest piece to burn for you?
1: I would say I'm still burning many limiting beliefs about myself and my abilities, so little bit about how I got to being a coach to help others with relationships and their anxiety is that I too went through it myself. I think many people become something that the old version of themselves needed, right? So my parents got a divorce when I was actually already graduated from college. So as an adult, I feel like, I mean, there's no necessarily bad or good time to process it. It's just kind of, it is what it is. But for me as an adult heading into my serious relationships, I just was cognizant of that And it was something that I was, I was just thinking, oh, well, that must happen to me as well. Or I'm not capable of having a loving, healthy relationship. And I just had all these negative stories about myself. And not only did I worry that I was going to have an unsuccessful relationship, I was worried I was going to be the person that contributed to that unsuccessful relationship. So there were just a lot of limiting stories about myself. And it was very disempowered. I didn't take responsibility for my own, I guess, way of showing up in the world. And I just thought that, oh, life is so hard or why are these things happening? And what I've had to, I think, let burn are those limiting stories, but also the victim mentality of, oh, someone else is going to come rescue me or someone else needs to figure this out for me. When in reality nope, this is your life and you have to kind of own that piece. So that has been a huge part of my journey. I would say in my twenties is trying to take more responsibility and not handing it off to others.
0: I think that's a really powerful statement, Sarah. And, you know, I always like to clarify, you know, being a victim versus victim mentality, because I think they're both very real and very different experiences. You know, being a victim of a crime or being a victim of an experience is just um, having empathy for yourself and recognizing that something happened to you that was outside of your control. The victim mentality is then taking that and not taking any empowered actions to recover, heal, and move forward. And I think it's so important to recognize that no matter what events happen to us in our lives, um, we do want to reclaim that power. And it is ours to reclaim. Anytime I'm talking to clients about clearing limiting beliefs, we have this discussion of, well, I'll love myself when somebody loves me. I'll feel worthy about myself when somebody tells me I'm worthy. I will be good enough when I get this particular job. And when in in reality, we are the only ones who can actually believe that we are good enough, worthy and lovable. And that is a journey, right? That is that is a journey in itself. Let's just say that out loud. <laughs> but it is such a profound message for us to talk about, Sarah, because you're right. When we look at, let's, I mean, I hate to throw Disney under the bus, but I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna good. do it, okay? Okay. When we look at the Disney movies, and especially the ones you and I were raised on, none of the characters find their own truth within themselves. They find it through circumstances outside of themselves, most likely from a significant other in the process. And that's been really impactful, I think, to our generation. And, and how we believe we can find happiness and joy and love.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people, myself included, until I started looking into all of this, think that the second there's a challenge or some hardship, that's actually you know, consistent, for example, like you don't just get in one disagreement, but, oh, actually you realize that two humans together or however many in the relationship have multiple disagreements. And sometimes you have to continue working through these challenges. Not many people are, I think in this generation or day and age equipped to show up and take ownership of that. There's mm-hmm. this sense of, there's always someone else I could find, or I'll swipe onto a new, more perfect partner or relationship that will kind of take me out of my own problems or challenges. And that's the type of mentality that I was stuck in for so long. And even though I knew deep down that I really wanted this relationship to work and I really envision it being a great relationship and still do to this day, envision it being so great, I was getting caught in this social media trap that maybe the grass will be greener on another side or maybe I won't have these challenges or fears come up in another relationship when really, because my relationship was so safe and loving, and I did give the disclaimer that I'm only talking to people in safe or loving relationships, is that, you know, that type of fear that was coming up wasn't related to my partner, clearly, because we were in such a healthy, loving place. So where else was it coming from? Well, maybe some of my outdated expectations or beliefs or, you know this, not taking ownership for myself
0: in my life. Mm, I love the word ownership, and, I, and I, I'm glad you make that disclaimer. And you do, you do all over your social media, and often, you know, it's we're discussing safe, healthy relationships that are not just safe and healthy between you two, but also reflected in your community and your support system as safe and healthy. Um, I think that in abusive relationships, things can get really twisted internally and we can believe that we are the problem when in reality, the relationship is toxic, but that is reflected usually in your external community as well as your internal reality. So we are discussing where a safe, healthy, sometimes, and I'm putting air quotes here, boring relationship gets uh, twisted in our minds because we have this expectation of actually what I consider to be a love bombing uh, relationship that has been, I mean, let's just talk about Aladdin for a half a second, right? <laughs> like, you know, or like really any of, I I have young kids, so I'm watching all the Disney movies again. And yeah. I find myself interjecting like, this isn't a reality. <laughs> Jasmine doesn't need Aladdin, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. And, but it is, it's, it's our expectations on social media, our expectations in our culture around love relationships is this intense kind of back and forth luring high passion romance that honestly is not healthy and is not what we want in our lives. It's very addictive. And I think burning this belief system of other people's expectations and the societal expectations on our lives is a crucial component for, for us to rewrite our story and fully step into our truth. I do think that's what happens in the, in your forties. Like that's Brene Brown calls it the unraveling. (laughs) Where you just like arrive and you're like, wait a second. Everything that I was promised did not happen. And all the self-sacrifices I made for this promise is not actually coming true. Maybe I should return to my inner truth and actually live out my life. And I see that all around. And the beautiful thing is, Sarah, and what I love that you're doing is that you're asking us to do this earlier. You're saying we don't need to wait for that slap in the face That punch moment where you sabotage a relationship or you go from relationship to relationship to relationship, you can do this earlier work and really start to own your truth. And I think that is what I see you living your full self into, like inspiring and living out this incredibly difficult journey of of challenging societal and cultural beliefs around love and romance. I mean, that's quite a tall order, Sarah, that you have taken on. Thank you. I appreciate that. And sometimes I still get
1: stuck in those, you know, very deep cultural messages myself. So it's funny because as confident as I am sharing this message to so many people, there are still days where I can get hooked in. If I'm deep into a scroll and someone says, Oh, well, look what they did for me. If they wanted to, they would, or, you know, love should be so easy. You should never give it a second thought, which is the complete opposite of my experience. And many of my clients and community who are very sensitive people, they are very, uh, Analytical. They like to, you know, make decisions based off of other people's input, you know, so it's not going to be this effortless experience like some may have, which I totally validate. But there are certain types of personalities and people where it just might not be the same. And so I just want anyone listening to know that these narratives run so deep that it's not something that we can change overnight and definitely something that people will have to have an open mind and open heart, even to change if they are really in the thick of it.
0: Yes. Yes. And I, I think that brings us back to, you know, our, the, the work we did in the trauma-informed training. Like, I, I love that you signed up for this training with me because, you know, A lot of what you're discussing is mindset work, right? It's this this shift in story and thought and mindset. And what you're deepening this into is that it's not just mindset, right? It's also this body-based work where we have been taught from a young age that these narratives are the way that we feel safe. And so our nervous system gets stuck in that as well. And so we can have all the wonderful thoughts in the world. We can analyze our relationships all day, every day, but our body might still feel a sense of panic when somebody loves us. And that can feel so frustrating when you know in your mind, this is what you want. This is what you need. This is what you have grown into. And your body is still like, this is not safe. And that yeah. is a, that's a really hard moment, I think, for anybody who's doing any sort of work or burning any beliefs to the ground.
1: Yeah. And I would say the hardest part, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this narrative because it's a big one now is mm-hmm. um, trust your gut or your intuition knows best. And that can be such a triggering phrase that I've had to really let burn or at least redefine because mm-hmm. I used to think that if I had a tightness in my chest or if I had a churny stomach feeling like a literal gut feeling, which is of course your body telling you that it doesn't feel safe. I used to equate that with a very literal, I'm not safe here versus taking a little bit of time to get grounded or at least bring some safety and then come back to thinking about that. Because most times people don't ever understand that trauma is a body response, just as much as it is this feeling of unsafety that comes up from it. So if you are hearing about a celebrity couple breakup and you hear that, and then you have a gut response, you might think, oh, I'm not safe in my relationship. So that must mean I need to leave. Whereas there is a whole other way that it's just a fear-based reaction coming up from you because maybe you've internalized that love isn't safe or that even if you are in a safe, loving relationship, that something can still happen. And that you can still have that separation. And so there is still some unresolved fear there and maybe it will never go away, but you have to tend to it each time it comes
0: up. Ooh, well, I mean, I think you just answered it, but I, <laughs> I think you, you handled that very well. You were trained well, so Sarah. <laughs> Learn from the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I say is when you have a gut feeling or an intuitive hit, get curious, right? Because what's happened is our body's giving us a message. But it's not attaching anything to that message. Our frontal cortex, or our brain, is attaching something to that message, and our frontal cortex has a lot of different memories and stories up there. And so, anytime you feel a feeling in your body, your brain might have a, you know, um, an explanation. And more often than not, our frontal cortex wants to feel in control. So it was going to reach for whatever story is going to make us feel the most in control. And that is not always the true story. And so this is where this work deepens. This is where truly burning limiting beliefs or recognizing what is a trauma response versus what is something that I need to pay attention to right now in this moment versus a past experience. It takes... Self introspection. And to be honest with you, this is really where professionals, coaches, mentors come in because even myself, like I'm, I'm trained in this and I will get a feeling that is scared, excited, right? So Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, is like life giving. I love that book. And I was listening to Glenn and Doyle talk to Brene Brown on her podcast. And she was talking about this skidded feeling that they talk about. And I loved it. I was like, this is a perfect example. Your body has the exact same nervous system response to scared and excited. Your brain is what decides whether or not it's excited or scared. And That's it's you sometimes it's a mixture of both. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we, we lean in the direction of this very, like this or that mentality where we say either my brain is the one that is right. And I need to just listen to my brain or my body is right. And my brain's being tricked. And that's what you're seeing on social media right now. We're leaning a lot into that body-based wisdom, which I love, but caveat here, guess what? It's both with a little mix yeah. of spirit in there, right? Like we, we, have, we have lots of different entities within us that have an opinion and we have to, as you said, get grounded and take your time to truly evaluate what this means. And don't do it alone, do it in community. Yeah, yeah.
1: a word you just said really stood out to me and that is another thing I've been trying to let burn, but of course will be a continual journey and that is control. Yes. And one of the reasons I felt so anxious in my relationship was that I didn't know if we would be together forever. Like there wasn't a way to actually guarantee that outcome. And many of my clients struggle to accept that. And I had struggled for a very long time to accept that nothing was really in my control beyond my actions in the present moment or how I choose to respond to something. And so especially for an anxious mind who loves controlling, whether it's controlling another person or controlling how they act or controlling how things go and what direction they go. Surrendering a little bit to realize that you can only do so much is such a hard but rewarding practice because you really don't have the control. So it's a false sense of control whenever you act in ways to think that you are controlling someone or something else.
0: Yes, oh, control. It's like the human... The the human word for suffering is control for me. It's like, if we could all just learn to surrender, um, things would feel so much more peaceful. Um, But that is also, I think, the beauty of the human experience, right? This like ebb and flow between control and surrender. And um, anybody that's done deep spiritual work, uh, I love the way they dance between the two. You know, I, I read the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and, and they talk in there about how, you know, they know these things, they've done this work, but this stuff still comes up for them. They still want to control. They still want to attach to anger. They still want to do things out of frustration or reaction, but they've learned to be patient with themselves. And I think that is the number one cure to control is patience. (laughs) <laughs> which is like the opposite of control, right? Like we want it in the moment, but if we can cultivate and learn how to be patient with ourselves and understand that the human part of us desperately wants to control to feel safe, but the higher thinking, the you know spiritual side, the however you want to phrase it, wants to grow. And we can lean towards growth release control and just know that it's a dance forever and for always it's a dance. And in relationships Sarah, I think that is the toughest piece because you've got two people doing that dance. Right. And, and you can, I mean, our partners can be in a real tough spot where they're in the middle of that control surrender. And then it triggers our dance. And then if you don't have the capacity to really like get real with one another, there's a lot of assumptions that get made and a lot of things that get broken and a really wonderful, beautiful relationship can can break because of that lack of communication and kind of deepening that conversation into what is actually going on. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I've had to lean into the fact that there are going to be many of those control surrender moments on either me or Nate's end. And sometimes they will butt heads with one there, And sometimes we're both like very in surrender mode at the same time, which is very nice. But I, I totally understand what you mean about great relationships can break if there isn't that willingness to kind of drop some levels of control and, and bring in a little bit more compromise or just willingness to hear each other and curiosity, but it's so hard. I mean, in the moment when you're in fight or flight and you're completely overstimulated, I mean, one of the the last things you want to do is admit that you're scared. You want to fight or freeze or, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do in that moment to kind of bring yourself some level of feeling in control, even though oftentimes you're not actually in direct danger. You're just kind of in that
0: automatic response of the body. Absolutely. I, you know, what's interesting is if we can train ourselves like through our own inner work, One of the most calming things we can possibly do is to own our experience in that moment. It is a very vulnerable step, but it actually puts us back into a real position of inner control. If I'm feeling super triggered and I'm in this like fight or flight state, if I say out loud, I'm triggered and I'm in fight or flight right now and I cannot have this conversation in a healthy way, that puts me back in the seat of control. And it's scary, you know, because you are... Vulnerably exposing yourself to your partner that you are in this place, which with an unhealthy person, they can twist that back on you, right? But with a healthy, loving relationship, they should be able to receive that to a degree and be like, okay, like this is our pause button, or I recognize that you're there. They might not always say it the right way, let's be clear, but there is something about owning when we are triggered that that again, like burns all of those beliefs to the ground that we're supposed to be perfect in this moment. And, and, and that (laughs) the other belief I cannot stand is, uh, heal yourself completely before you get into a relationship.
1: Yeah. Love yourself before you can love someone else. I, I always correct that to loving yourself is great, but we're never fully there. So just, you know, show up. And you also love yourself more in a loving relationship when you see someone else reflecting back your own worthiness. So I agree with that one. I don't love that statement either.
0: (laughs) No, the conscious relationship work that you do in a healthy relationship deepens your love for yourself. I'd say there's like a threshold. We'll call it like a, like a bare minimum, there's like a bare minimum love for self in order to engage in a healthy relationship. Yeah. You know, there are there is a level below that, that I think when you're in that very unhealthy space, a relationship is going to be incredibly difficult. It's not unrealistic, but it'll be incredibly difficult. But when you have this threshold of that bare minimum, I think that you can work from that way up in a healthy relationship. And this is just, it's something that I think, you know, relationships today, Sarah, are something that, they've never been in all of human history, right? We've we've never been at a place like we are today with marriage and relationships and commitment and really what we're asking for from our partners. And it's really beautiful because we're asking for something more than I think we ever have, but it's gonna take a little bit of time to figure it out. We have to be kind of gentle on ourselves in that regard. Yeah.
1: And that leads me another thing that came up when you were just talking about how acknowledging when we're in fight or flight can sometimes be what we need to do. And just recognizing we're not in the place to have a conversation right then and there. One thing that I try to help my clients understand, and many of them and myself included, want to resolve something fast. There's like this level of urgency, especially when you're feeling unsafe, you're triggered you, if you're worried, if someone's upset with you, you want to resolve it. Um, but sometimes the best thing you can do is take some space and allow your partner to take that space because trying to resolve something from a triggered place is likely going to blow it up much more than if you can just acknowledge, Hey, I'm feeling some type of way right now, but let's take 20 minutes or two hours as long as you communicate about how much time you need i don't think the time necessarily is as important as you really grounding or at least just getting to a more neutral place and then finishing the discussion because i think it can feel so threatening when someone needs their space when you're feeling like you're in a disagreement but really it can be one of the best things otherwise you're gonna just kind of up 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 each other's level of fear or triggered or defensiveness
0: yes yes Ugh. You know, and I will say this. If you struggle with being able to walk away from an argument, that is a trauma response. And you got to work on that in your own individual work because it is always going to escalate the situation and further wound both parties. But there is, and and I'm serious. I So I am one of these people. I've done a lot of work around this. But when I was in the middle of an argument, if somebody was like, I need space and then shut it down, I felt like I was going to die. I literally in that moment felt like my body was going to die on the spot. And it it's abandonment, right? It's a—it's a, It's a trigger of abandonment wounds that gets, I think, ignited in that moment that if this person walks away, I will never again feel love. Now, clearly that's not like a logical statement, but my body does not care in that moment. And I have done some truly ridiculous things in that moment as a younger person. Mm-hmm. And I think those are moments for me where I learned, you know, for anybody listening, like for real like I've shown up at a restaurant with a robe on with shampoo in my hair because my boyfriend at the time was like we need to end this fight ter- uh hung up and turned off his phone. And I just straight <sighs> got out of the shower and like drove there. Like <laughs> next level status, Colleen. I was very young. Let's just be honest. Okay. I love
1: that though. I love that you can just poke fun at your former self, but in like a compassionate way and, and help everyone understand they're not alone in that moment. It
0: was, uh, I, I remember walking in and being like a poor miles. That was my boyfriend at the time I walked in and I was so embarrassed. He was sitting there with all of his friends and I was like, okay, this just happened what are you going to do about this right now? And to be honest with you, that was like a watershed moment for me in getting help. So there, there is purpose sometimes behind those ridiculous behaviors because you take it so far that you recognize, okay, this is something that I mentally know that I shouldn't do, but my body is so triggered in this moment that I have to figure this out. And that's, that's like anxiety plus, Right? It's not just like, oh, they hung up on me and now I'm spinning in my head because that feels awful as well. And this is where that deeper mindset work that you're doing, Sarah, comes in. But when you're taking action in a way that you don't even recognize yourself, this is where you know it's a good indication that, okay, this is where I need to step out and get a professional involved because I don't have to and I shouldn't um, battle this alone. And And truly, there's some incredible things that tools, interventions that help us burn these stories to the ground. And I love working in tandem with coaches like yourself, Sarah, because I can do that deeper body work with my clients. And then you help them integrate it in this really beautiful way and put it into action in their day-to-day life. And I think that's that that's that holistic care that comes in. When we really want to apply these tools that we've learned from burning these beliefs to the ground. We need community to get us into that place of taking those risks and acting differently and doing the different things.
1: Absolutely, community, not only in the support systems you have, but also just, I think being in community with people that are in the same experience as you is so important. Like the amount of people that have come to my page seen someone else's comment and realize that other person, not just me telling them something, but another person resonated with it. And then they're like, wow, like she's telling me this and someone else agrees with it. So I'm clearly not alone in it either. And it's just so beautiful to see people finally realize that just because you've felt something and it's really shameful, air quotes, shameful in your mind, even if it really isn't, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're a human and you have so many other shared experiences with other people. And then you can give yourself a little bit of a break.
0: Yes. That's the, I think that's the positive side of social media, right? And both Sarah and I are online, you know, our businesses are on Instagram and online. And it's it's a double-edged sword at times, right? Because the beliefs we're trying to burn are on there, but also we have a different message. And I really do believe what has brought you so much of a, a deep committed audience is that you're very real. And just by showing up the way you are, Sarah inspires people to show up the way they are. And that is truly living into your full self. It Mm -hmm. isn't about being perfect. It's about being imperfect and being willing to own that and inspire others to do the same, which Mm -hmm. I really truly see you doing more and more and more on your page, in your work, in our conversations. And it, it 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 does. It leads people to feel not alone, which is the very thing I think as humans we need the most.
1: Yeah. Well thank you. I appreciate that. I receive it. <laughs>
0: yeah, girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, tell us a little bit about what you are doing right now. What are where can they find you? What offers are you running? I know a lot of my people are gonna be clamoring to get into your world.
1: Hmm, thanks. Well, anything that you would like to know is likely on my website, you love and and on my Instagram or TikTok, which are both at You Love and You Learn. I try and talk about a lot about just general experiences with relationships or relationship anxiety and how to work through some of the noise that we hear so much on social media. So that would be kind of the ways to get in touch with me or connect with me and I offer private coaching, which is a 12 week experience where we really dive deeper into mostly mind, but also weaving in some of that body, you know, information for people to get them a little bit more safety in their relationship experience. So they're not in that fight or flight place all the time. And then you can go through my self-study course, Deconstruct the Doubts, which helps you understand why you may be doubting your loving, healthy relationship and gives you tools to move through that.
0: Ooh. I love that one. Deconstruct the doubts. It's a fantastic title. (laughs) I like (laughs) it. I like it. Well, and I will put uh, Sarah's website and information in the show notes for all of you that are interested. And I'm sure Sarah and I will have many talks moving forward, but I just appreciate you coming on Sarah so much. Thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to follow along with the other episodes. I know you're going to have some awesome talks.
0: Yes. Yes. I will have many, and hopefully, we'll have you back on as well. I'm sure this work will just continue to deepen. Yes, sounds great. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today. To be inspired, to be seen, And to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn.